on X. From e-scouting, finding your truck when you get lost in the woods, to getting permission. It's going to take you to the next level with landowner info to the areas that you think you'd like to go find ducks or grouse or whatever you'd like to hunt. So check them out on X. Get in the hunt and get that permission, baby. Hashtag man's best kennel. It's Gunner Kennels, baby. It's a kit. We had Addison on the the podcast, a phenomenal dude, always innovating our industry. And one of the things that he brought up is it's a kit. It's not just the kennel itself. You've got the fan 2.0 for your summer, right? Like it's hot out. We got to keep that dog cool. In wintertime, you got the all weather kit. Keeps that poor body temperature in there so the dog doesn't have to work as hard to stay warm. They also have the magnetic door accessory that keeps that body temperature in there. And then the straps. Everybody thinks like, oh, I'll just go to Home Depot and get the cheapo straps. Well, listen, they developed these straps so that basically you can lift a VW bug with the two straps. So if you were to get in a car accident on the way to the duck blind or the training grounds, that dog is going to be beyond strapped and stay safe. Check it out. Gunner Kennels, baby. Slide in the DMs. We'll hook you up. All right, it's the DT difference. It's 30 years experience in the game, DT systems. E-collars we've been using for a while now, but let's quickly talk about their dummy launchers. They got the Super Pro dummy launcher and the remote dummy launcher. It's a great way for you and your dog to get ready for duck season. Loud bangs, make sure your dog's cool with gunfire before you use it. But I want you to add it to your repertoire, bag of tricks, and get you and your dog ready for duck season. It's the Super Pro Dummy Launcher by DT. Have you wondered if you want to force fetch your dog? Maybe you think your dog's too soft. Maybe you're too nervous to screw, quote unquote, screw your dog up. Let me help you. I built a start to finish course with different dogs, different breeds, and different personalities from start to finish to show you how that you and your dog can do it successfully and easy. Jump in, links in the description. We'd be happy to help you. Let's go. Let's set goals and get you and your dog where you want to be this duck season. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles. We got a good episode coming up. It's just going to be me and Kevin tonight. I'm really looking forward to having a conversation with him, answering some Q&As, and talking a little bit about Master National and the changes that they're making. But first, I want you to do me a favor. If you're an avid listener, maybe you're a first-timer, but you get something from this episode. Maybe you're an Instagram guy or gal, and we've answered your question there. Do me a favor. Show your support for the show and all things Lone D., and head over to patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. There's multiple tiers, but at the base layer, it'd be like buying me and Kevin a beer and, and saying thank you for the show and all the help that we've given you or the guests we get on and the equipment we need to make things better for here on the podcast, YouTube, Instagram, we're doing the best we can, and we want it to be better. And so if you jump over there, quote-unquote, buy us a beer on Patreon, join our community. We have happy hours bi-weekly. In fact, we just got off one, and it was freaking awesome. Tons of great questions and comments and fun discussion on training dogs. High-level, basics, all that. Jump on patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. Show your support for the show. We appreciate you so much. You guys are our biggest support system. Next up, from the duck blind to the holding blind, it's Purina, baby, that pro plan, the new food that fuels the truck of Lone Duck. And it's not the new food. In fact, I fed it for a long time and have always been impressed by that company and how they give back to our sport, the knowledge. There's no more, there's no other food on the market that has fueled champions. Field champions, HRCHs, master hunters, duck dogs. So from the duck blind to the holding blind, it's Purina. Next up, Dogtra. Man, I, every time I come up to Dogtra, it's like I lose. I, I got nothing to say because there's nothing bad to say. I use it. I use my collars 
every day. Every day. So it's like a part of me. And if something is a part of me, I need to trust it. And so just off the top of my head, trust is what I think about when I think about dog truck. Their collars are reliable. Their customer service is reliable. It's high quality. It's durable. And when I deliver a stimulation, I know that it's at the level I want it to be. It's not too hot, not too cold. It's right where it needs to be. It's like uh, Goldilocks and the brown bears, baby. That dog tra make every dog exceptional. Next up, Gunner Kennels, man's best kennel. These things are just, I'm not going to say bulletproof, but don't test it. But they are car crash proof. And I got a good buddy, Spencer, his dog Bullet. They're with our, our good friend. He's a client and good friend of Adam Campbell from the Doghouse podcast, Campbell's Hillside Kennels. Big shout out to those dudes. And they were at Fall Line Retriever Club uh, about a week or two ago. And that son of a gun, big shout out, digress. So so don't skip forward through the ads. This is awesome. This is a digression of conversation, Kevin. Um, Spencer is a sort of public figure for Gunner Kennels because he and his dog got smoked at 4 a.m. by a drunk driver heading to a duck hunt. And he had, I'm going to maybe overstretch it, but a dozen surgeries to recover himself from this car crash. He was, you know, just crushed. His dog was in a gunner kennel 100 yards away from the truck where he got hit because he got shot out of the bed of the truck, and his dog was wagging his tail, happy as can be. So, Gunner Kennels goes down to Adam's kennel, and Spencer's there with Bullet, and they do this beautiful video, unspoken bond stuff going on left and right about how Gunner Kells protected his dog. Fast forward a year and change later, and some dude goes through a red light and spokes Spencer again. Now, Bullet had just gotten dropped off at Adams, but he still had the Gunner Kennel in the bed of the truck, and you saw that sucker go flying (laughs) and was no worse for wear. And so big shout-out to Spencer for, man, you probably need to stop driving, but this dude has survived two very nasty wrecks. And the gunner kennel has been no worse for wear. And in the one that his dog was in, the dog was healthy. And so if that's not a testament to the product, I really don't know what is. And if you want to get into a gunner kennel, you can slide into the DMs. We'll get you hooked up. And, uh, man, I don't know. We just care about our dogs, and I care about you. So wear a seatbelt. And if you are smart enough to wear a seatbelt, put your dog basically in one, too. Gunner kennels, baby. Next up, smoke them if you got them. Now, I'll be honest with you. Haven't smoked anything in a while. And in fact, I left my little ranger. Hold on. Yep. So Kevin was about to jump in. My bad. Uh, I bought a little like twenty nine ninety nine dollars uh, propane grill from Walmarts. And it got me by on the southern trip, but it, I have been craving the smoke. All right, Kevin, you want to jump in? You smoke something for me? I uh, wanted to smoke a turkey a couple weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago. Did I tell you about this? No. No, I didn't tell you about this. So uh, I wanted to smoke a turkey, and the butcher around the corner was out of turkeys. Kind of a big-time bummer, but uh, still wanted to go big for for the Saturday here. Ended up buying three whole chickens, rubbed them down, all different kinds of Traeger sauces. Unbelievable. Smoked three whole chickens on my Traeger. What a day. Good for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that's one, I'm excited to see you, but I'm more excited to see my Traeger in the garage. So I don't blame you. Smoke them if you got them, bud. Smoke them if you got them. All right, next up. Standing Stone Kennels. You guys know my friends Ethan and Kat at Standing Stone. Phenomenal YouTube channel. Very strong Instagram. Dog training. Pointing dog work. But little did you know, they have StandingStoneSupply.com. And 
basically all things dog training, specifically their bird dogs, but they got our retriever stuff too in there. Collars, leashes, bumpers, e anything you can think of that you need to train a dog, Momarsh products, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Check out standingstonesupply.com. Next up, I'm wearing the t-shirt right now. Kent Cartridge, shooter shoot baby that. Mm. Mm. Now, I'm not going to talk about bismuth right now because you know duck season's kind of far away. What is not far away is clay bird shooting. And so we got that Kent seven and a halfs ready to eat. Uh, this is a to-do list for me this summer is to practice more and more and more to get my shooting even better and to get Kevin shooting even better so that when we go to the duck blind in our duck boat, you know, uh, pheasant hunting, grouse hunting, if I've got an opportunity to bird at a bird, I'm want to knock it down. So we're going to be shooting that can't seven and a half at some clay birds, baby. So big shout out to Kent, Kent Cartridge on Instagram. Give him a shout out. Let him know that we sent you and just go mm, when you see him make a post. Just mm, you won't be disappointed, bud. All right, guys, let's get in the show. Uh, I appreciate you tuning in as always. You guys are what make this fun. You're, you're what makes this interesting. Um, I've got some, Kevin, before we get into, you know, Q&As and just discussions, I got some good news and I got some bad news, bud. You ready for it? He just nodded. He didn't say yes or no. Yeah, my, yeah, my computer's being laggy, but hit me. What you got? Well, we're going to have some puppies. That's the good news. The bad news is, one out of the two dogs is not pregnant. So we we did breedings, and in a few episodes ago, Kevin and I, you know, said that we did it. So Cruz, Mama Cruz, Master Hunter, Jammed Q, and Pass the Master National. She is the mother of dragons. She is who produced Hunter and countless other bad-to-the-bone lone duck pups. This is her last litter. And we bred her to the man, the myth, the legend, Trinity's nothing but a G-thang, Dre. And Dre is a stud. He's well known down here in the South. He is making a name for himself at the SRS. He is handsome. He is trainable. He is a kind soul, right? And I like that in a male. I don't want a dink male that wants to fight everybody. We don't breed to that. And so I'm hoping that they, and she is pregnant. We confirmed it today via x-ray. We did not get a count, which we did on Instagram to like, you know, drum up some fun, you know, how many do you think are coming? Um, it's just a little too early to get it, but we, we, I mean, she's 100% pregnant. They saw some spines, but it wasn't enough to say 8, 10, 12. In fact, her first litter, they said 6, and she had 12. So I don't really trust them anyways. I just, you know, get a good idea, a good guesstimate, if you will. So she's preggers with Dre puppies. We have a few people, you know, already with their deposits, but if you're interested, you can slide into the DMs and learn more, but... Um, our other girl, Summit, the Fox Red, beautiful dog, really well-bred, badass, great, great dog. I love her. She, her demeanor is so sweet. She's a good, good dog. You're telling me she's not Mama Summit? Nope. 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 She did not get pregnant. And it's my fault. It's 100% my fault. Is it your when fault? We were, yep. So, when a, a female comes in, were you? Huh? How how into this situation were you? What do you mean? How far into the situation was I? <laughs> Why is it your fault the dog's not pregnant? <laughs> I think I know what you're saying, but now <laughs> I will explain scientifically why she's not pregnant. So, 
during the process of of Cruz and Summit coming into heat, they came into heat practically right at the same time. And now I've got to juggle, what do I do? You know, do I breed them both? Do I pick one over the other? Who's going to be my stud dog? And and again, we've talked about this on the podcast a ton. Like, I don't just willy-nilly pick a male and put them together and, and cross my fingers. I'm trying to produce a bad-to-the-bone duck dog, a bad-to-the-bone family dog, and a bad-to-the-bone competitor. And that's really hard to do. And I can I can tell you right now, I don't care who it is. No one knows what they're doing. They're just doing the best they can. Some people aren't doing the best they can. Some people are trying to make money and just pair two dogs together, and that's that. But if they really care about what they're producing, it takes a ton of thought. And uh, and then it came down to logistics. I'm down south. When will I get home? How long will they be? How far along will they be in the pregnancy from when I get home? How will I do two? I've only ever done one. This, that, and the other thing. And so I procrastinated and tried to figure out the logistics and tried to create an answer. And so I did, but I was just a little bit late. And so what you would do scientifically is you can pull progesterone, the hormone for the female that tells when they are prime to be bred. And I did not do it for Cruz. We just have bred her a few times, so I had a good guesstimate, and I knew that actually for Cruz I was a little bit late compared to what I would have liked. And same with Summit. I knew I was going to be a little bit late, and when we took her to the vet to pull progesterone, the vet said, today's the day or not the day. You're either in or you're out. And we bred her to Blaine's dog, Kenny, who's a dark yellow fox red male off a field champion named Hex. And uh, Kenny's an HRCH master hunter, passed the Master Nationals at like three years old, real hard-charging dude, good-looking, built well, um, nice dog. And we did a, a, a AI, a side-by-side AI, artificial insemination. And I just had this gut feeling that after the vet said that it's basically like do or die, like, you know, tomorrow isn't the day. It's either today or four days ago. I was like, yeah, send it, you know, give it a whirl. Maybe it'll work. And it didn't. So I wasn't super surprised. She didn't really show much. Um hormonally things started changing on her a little bit, which would be considered a false pregnancy. Um, And so there were things about her that made you think maybe, yeah, but then maybe no. And the next day you're like, maybe, yeah. And the next day, maybe no. And I walked into the vet's office today to pick her up and, uh, um, you know, just BSing with the ladies up front. And I was like, are you going to tell me if she's pregnant or not? And they're like, oh, yeah, no, she's not. I'm like, what, 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 what the heck? You know, come on. Like, you should have freaking told me right away before I paid the bill. Like, I should have known that they didn't say congratulations. They just they didn't my show money the, and ran. They didn't have any balloons or anything? No, no cigar, no nothing. Mm. That is too bad. So, I, I really like Summit. She's a... She's just a sweetheart, you know, like she just like, she's one of those dogs that'll run up to you in the airing yard and just want to like lay into you a little bit, get some love, some action. And aside from being awesome, you know, like training wise and and knows her stuff, but she just, she's more what I look for in a dog, I'd say, you know? Yeah, me too, man. I'm sad for it, but no, we will, we will do it again. We'll try again. And, you know, it's, this is a part of the dog game. It doesn't always happen the way it's supposed to, but what I'm really excited about, this will be Cruz's last litter. She will be retiring from being a mother. She So let she me, has, how many litters has she had? She said, this will be, this will be number four. This will be number four. 
uh, and she's thrown a lot of really good puppies. Does she yeah. have um, a retirement laid out in front of her? What's her retirement like? Does she have four hundred one k? Yeah. Do do I? It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a different. That's a different podcast conversation. Uh, is she going to stay know, with, I, down with? Uh, well, no. So she's going to come home with me. Mm-hmm. We're going to whelp the litter in New York. Nice. And I don't know what she's going to do because we're not running Master National this year, which we'll jump into in a little bit. But I don't. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know what I'm going to do. I might wean her off these puppies and keep training her. And and you know, I got a bunch of dogs that I want to run cues with this summer. So maybe she and I will keep doing that. And then bring her back down south for the Burwells to duck hunt with her and dove hunt with her. Um, or maybe she'll have these puppies and just come down here and be done. And get to sleep on the bed and play with the kids and duck hunt. But Yeah, that's not a bad life. I, no, good lord. She, she's got the best life ever. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I really love her and I'm really thankful that I've had the chance to be a part of her life and have her be mine so we'll see but in the grand scheme of things we got one litter coming i'm really excited about them i they couldn't tell us how many puppies there are but knowing cruise it won't be you know a tiny litter she's had 12 12 and 10 and so hopefully we have eight to ten healthy happy puppies and she has a healthy easy pregnancy and you know, we'll go from there, but I love her to death. She's coming back to New York for a while. and But anyways, let's jump into Master National. Wild. This is this is breaking news. We don't have any, like, fancy news reporting sort of, like, noises to add in here, but... Maybe make some fake clicking noises on your keyboard. <laughs> stop, stop. No, okay, stop. all right, That's- my bad. Um, no, it's super loud and awful. Um, so, Master National, there's a board of directors for Master National, and they have been struggling to make changes and decisions for the country. And basically, this is this is like, oh, how do I put it? A, a cluster. So, last year at... Idaho. I pulled up their official statement if you want me to read through some sections of that too at some point, but I yeah. I'll I mean, tell you what. Let me let me clustery. Let me let me give you the background of why this came about and then I want you to read it. And I'll read the whole thing cuz it'll take 1 minute and then it'll give everybody a real understanding of what, what we're talking about. But last year in Idaho, we had tons and tons and tons of dogs. The year before that, we had COVID. And then they canceled it. And so everybody punted to last year in Idaho, and COVID was still a thing. And so judges got COVID, and then they had to get judges that were going to run dogs to forfeit running their dogs in order to judge so that we could keep holding the event. We had trouble finding ground and water. And so long story short, it was difficult, more difficult than it's ever been. And then on top of that, that because of, in my opinion, mismanaged series, me and a series being like flight A has a 10-minute test. Flight A's second series is a 10-minute test. And you got to run 150 dogs and then 120 dogs and and all of a sudden you do the math on 150 dogs times 10 minutes, that's a boatload of time. And then, oh, yeah, in the next series you got this amount of time. And then, oh, in flight B, it's a six-minute test and a six-minute test. So they literally got twice as much done compared to the other group. And so a bunch of people finished early, and then another group was finishing very late. I happen to be in the late group. I was in the flight that everything took way too long. And it wasn't because people weren't trying hard or moving fast. It was mismanaged 
It was just mismanaged. And so we only got four series done, and it's supposed to be six. And so technically speaking, that's easier. Now, it's still a great accomplishment to pass Master National with four series. It's still, it's not, it wasn't up to us. But they have 10 days to get the test done. From day one to 10, your goal is to get six series done. And because people didn't time manage properly and putting flights where they need to be properly, we only were able to get four done in that amount of time. And so everyone else finished early and we're sitting there still running and finished quote unquote on time, but only got four done. So long story short, with that being a problem in the AKC's mind, with more and more people getting into our sport, more and more dogs getting trained to a super high level, they've got to figure out how to lower the number of dogs at the event. In essence. And so what I mean by that is if you have 1,500 and the grounds, so you have to have a property or nearby properties that can do 150 dogs on land and water. And over here, only a few miles away, another group of 150 dogs, and then only a few miles away. So there's only a few spots in our country that can house that many people and that many dogs and that many flights and that many series to keep it interesting, challenging, accommodating, et cetera. And so as our sport grows, it has to evolve. And so, Kevin, why don't you read from start to finish what Master National said? There we go. Uh, all right, so this is from masternational.org. And if there's any stuttering that was written down on their site, not from me, uh, we, the Master National Retriever Club Board of Directors, are communicating an update on board activities with the member clubs and retriever community. Our intention is that this open communication will allow for everyone to clearly understand our direction, quell rumors, and allow feedback from members in our community. For the past several years, there's been a great deal of discussion within the board regarding an ever-increasing number of dogs entered in our event and how to responsibly manage the growth. Successfully managing the number of dogs, not only logistically, but establishing and maintaining a high quality of testing consisting of six series. It's come to a point that if action is not taken within the very near future of the event, as currently structured, will not be tenable due to its sheer size. Very few retriever venues exist that can host an event as large as ours. Additionally, the large flight size has negative effect on the quality of our testing. At our recent winter board meeting, we've reached a the following unanimous decision to address the growth opportunity. Bullet points. You eating dinner? Hmm, all right, there you go. Bullet points. Board of directors' direction is to hold the event at two rather than one locations. One testing location would be in the east. One testing location would be in the west. Handlers would be assigned to a test location based on their home address. Historical data would be used to divide the number of dogs equally between the two locations. No handler or dog would be allowed to attend both, meaning you couldn't do a bunch of stuff out west and then toss your dog on a plane and shoot them out east sort of thing, right? Method established to cap total number of dogs entered, and the goal is to implement the structure for the 2023 event. So, not this year, but like next year. A change of this magnitude is going to require a substantial amount of planning and changes due to the Master National Retriever Community Bylaws. Uh... You should expect to see proposed bylaws, revisions, the club review soon. To summarize, the following changes are. The number of dogs entering is becoming unmanageable. The grounds needed are unavailable because of the size. The declining quality of our test. So, here's what we're doing. More bullet points. 
updating bylaws. Bylaws are needed. Bylaws have needed some updating in general and to specifically address the two testing locations. Planning the nuts and bolts mechanics of how to implement and targeting implementation for the 2023 event. Hope this is helpful. Encourage feedback. And then they go on to list everybody's email uh, in case you have questions, concerns, whatever. So that's cool. Again, that's at masternational.org. And I feel like that's pretty uh, transparent. The how and the why and what they're trying to do. Yeah. It's very, I mean, it's, it's literally what I was feeling. Right. So right? It's here's literally what I said. Yeah. I haven't been there. I have not been there. I have not been to the series. I have not been one of the people standing there waiting for their dog to go and wait days to go to the, to run their dog or whatever it might be. Right. Point being long time and, and all the, all this frustration and chaos and things that happen. So here's my growing thing. pains, right? Yeah. That's right. It's growing pains. Is it a good thing? But it sure could All you right, so could could one side of this argument be that it's good for the sport that more people are doing it, more dogs are rising to the occasion, that more people are training their dogs properly and getting them to this level? Or is it yep. kind of like, oh man, that stinks. Like more people are into this, and it's less of a unique, cool thing now. And now everybody's no. breeding their dogs, and so their dogs are a dime a dozen. Like, you could come at this from a million different angles. No, 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 no. So I, I'm with you, I, but I think it's a good thing. I think it is growing pains, but I think what they need to do and what they're discussing is you don't want to, you don't want to slash can't water down the event so that more dogs can do it. Meaning, can do it as in, like, we can host 3,000 dogs and water the test down, and now your pass rate is so high because the tests aren't as difficult or challenging, but you can get more done. It needs to be, to me, this should be a massive massive goal and accomplishment if you get it and if you water it down so that you can get more dogs in that's no good and the second part that is more logistics is again like I said earlier there are few places in the country that can host this amount of dogs for land water land and water then do it again. Land, water, land, and water. Does that make sense? So you got six series, a land series, a water series, and a land, water series. Then you got to repeat a land series, a water series, and a land, water series. Rotating them all, having it all be consistent, having them all be X amount minutes per dog per series, getting them all done organized. Like this is a, when you really think about what the board has to do and what those judges have to do, and, and organizing things to know that flight A is on average a six-minute test, uh, and then their next series is an eight-minute test, and their next minute series is a six-minute test, then a five-minute test, then a ten-minute test. Okay, do the math on all that. Six, eight is 15. 14? Not quite sure. Just keep going. 14. Then, uh, like... It's a lot. It, add, well, then, and it adds like, up. Then it's like five. Right, it adds up. And then you've got to knock all these dogs out. So do you make the test harder? I'm not opposed to it. I'm not opposed to making the test harder, but they still have to fit within the guidelines of what a master test is. They can't. Not that they can't. They could. They could change the bylaws and say, like, okay, you're a master hunter, and now if you're a master national hunter, the tests are even harder. Stricter rules. Um, no... No creeping, no vocalizing, no, um, you know, if the dog beats you, to, like, kind of for, like, the grand, if the dog beats you to the line because they aren't healing well, you're out at the grand. Get, you know, rope your dog, you're out. They're not under control. If they did that at the Master National, yeah, you'd start wiping some dogs out. Um, so there's other things they could implement to make it harder not I'm not saying that's what I would like. 
I like that the Master National allows your dog to hunt and figure it out and work the bird out. It gets docked on its points, but it's not out. At the Grand, you know, if your dog's hunting a bird up, they'll tell you to put the dog on the bird, and now you're handling, and now your dog is halfway to being out. And if they hunt a little bit on the next bird, like, to me, that's no fun, and that's no good, and it's subjective, and it depends on the judge, and it's not a true testament of what that hunting dog should be doing. I like that the Master National allows your dog to make decisions and figure things out and work out problems and and make it happen or don't make it happen. So I don't I don't know. I'm kind of rambling for a second, but no. my point is I think if you look at what they are trying to tackle as far as the changes to be made, I think it's smart to be broken down in two sections, an east and a west. Am I like part of me is sad for that. Part of me is sad that when we can like the East Coast and the West Coast, who may be friends via social media or through this great event, you know, we get to see each other once a year and commiserate and hang out and train and whatever, or just see different parts of our country. Now, because Bob Owens is East Coast, I'm going to see the East Coast. I'm never going to get to venture out West anymore. So, like, I cannot go in 2023 to California. What if I wanted to? I don't want to, but what if I did? Um, And that, you know, it is what it is. And and then it's also, I guarantee you, there's going to people that are going to say, like, the West Coast was way harder than the East Coast Master National. It, if you pass the East Coast Master National, your dog's a, a wuss. It wasn't very hard. Tons of dogs passed. The West Coast was where it was at. And so you're going to get into this, like, freaking frack thing, but... In the grand scheme of things, my opinion is changes need to be made. The only constant in life is change. So we've got to evolve. The sport's evolving. We have to manage dog numbers and either make weekend master tests harder, make qualification harder, which I don't necessarily agree with. I don't need I don't want to have to pass more master tests to go to Master National. You already have to pass six or four, depending on if your dog passed Master National the year before. But I don't want it to be like, oh, you got to pass eight in a year. No, screw that. That's ridiculous. We're on the road too much. People are spending too much money doing this anyways. But maybe it's you can't run 20 and pass six. Maybe you got to pass six out of 10 to be invited or six out of eight to be invited. Now that is saying your percentage of excellence is high, you're worthy of coming. And then you make the Master National just a hair harder. And I think it is. I do think it is. I've only been to two, so I'm not some savant at this. I'm not some, you know, Joe Pro. So just take my advice for being there twice. But I do think it's harder. The pressure is way more. But it's not like I didn't show up to Master Nationals Idaho and be like, oh, my gosh, this is a humdinger. It was a difficult weekend test. It was a more stressful test. But the dogs didn't have to do anything overly crazy. So, anyways, we can jump off this topic. I'll be interested if you all want to leave a comment on, like, iTunes or, like, DM us or, you know, Preferably jump on patreon.com forward slash loan confidence, join our community there, and then talk to us about it. That'd be great. But anyways, I think it's a good discussion. We'll see what happens. We'll see what more laws come out. They're going to be making more decisions as they go, I'd imagine. Like this is they're just letting us know changes are being made for twenty twenty three and and that it's still a little up in the air. But let's jump into some Q and A there, bud. We got some good questions that rolled in. Yeah. So hit me. Yeah, absolutely. So we had a question. Uh, someone was asking about bark collars and said, what about excited barking when doing the baseball drill? I don't know if it's confusion barking or just really excited. Would you put a bark collar on a dog during this drill? No, I would not. Um, no, I would not. Bark collars are a phenomenal tool, big proponent of them for in the crate, in the kennel, in the dog, 
box when you're out training and someone else is running their dog. Um, even possibly in your house when you have a dog that's a problem barker at like things walking down the street, stuff like that. Bark collars are not a training device when we're out doing field work. They are not perfect enough with the timing of the correction. So I don't always feel like the dog in the field timing on your correction is imperative. Okay. So if that dog barks off the line, you need to do something different to handle that. If, if what I would say is if you're doing base, the baseball, walking baseball, which we went into depth on, on our Patreon happy hour tonight, Kevin, but um, if your dog's barking at you, to me, that's out of frustration slash anticipation slash excitement. And so that is a different correction than a barking dog that needs a bark collar. So you need to handle it differently. And that comes from physical correction. That comes from, I'd probably do a physical correction on that. I'd probably chew their butt up a little bit. And make them sit, you know, like go grab them, make them sit back down, shake them around a little bit, sit. Take a few steps back. They take a deep breath. We decompress. You see that dog relax a little bit after getting a correction. They shouldn't be stressed out. They shouldn't be more paranoid and anxious. We should use that correction to bring them down into a more calm, relaxed state. And I hope everybody understands what I'm trying to say. That correction should snap them out of that mentality and decompress and relax, and then move forward. But if they stay in this heightened state of craziness, and then all of a sudden you cast and go, Row! that to me is no good. But a bark collar is not the answer for that. Go ahead, Kev, what you got next, buddy? Well, regarding mini T, what do you do about a dog that's anticipating a whistle? Um. The person goes on to say that uh, in the video on our YouTube channel, Mini T-Drill, saw earlier in the video, you you space out the whistle and only handle every third or fourth rep. What do you think about a dog that is anticipating the whistle? This person says that their dog will do it really, really well, but will and is only whistling like five or six times, every five or six times. But the dog's still anticipating. The dog's still anticipating. Yeah. Okay, so he's not talking about, he or she is not talking about mini T. They're talking about T pattern. Uh, they, y- yes, they it was on our, well, okay. Yeah, they mentioned that on our mini T drill video. Okay. So that's where that came it, from. Yeah, sure. But, but what they're talking about is if you send a dog, you're talking, we're talking T pattern here. So if you send the dog on back and they leave your side and they're getting they're getting close to the pitcher's mound and they're anticipating the whistle at the pitcher's mound to get casted left or right or back, that's what they're talking about. Because in mini T, they shouldn't be anticipating any whistle. It's sit down in front of me, blow a whistle and cast, bring them, meet them back in the middle. Again, you can find this video on YouTube, but meet him in the middle, sit him down, tweet, take the bumper, tweet, cast, meet him in the middle, tweet, sit him down, take the bumper, tweet, cast. So there's no real anticipation there. That's just teaching. It's very basic. But a dog that's anticipating a whistle and or anticipating a cast, there's two different things that we're going to talk about here. Anticipating the whistle means you need to audible. And I'm not a football player, so take that with a grain of salt. But an audible is like I see something happen, I make a change in the moment, and then move forward with the play. So if I see a dog that comes out of the box and we start doing T-pattern and they're just anticipating the whistle or doing something that I don't really want, I'm going to call an audible and I'm going to say, you know what? Today, you're doing 15 straight to the back piles and one whistle and cast. And then on that 16th, they start to anticipate the whistle. So we're going to go back, 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 and be done. And the next day, I'm going to do 10 straight back and then a whistle. 
And then the next day, I'm going to do eight straight back to the whistle or without a whistle. And then all of a sudden, I start creating new habits and I start not having that problem anymore because I've pulled an audible and reacted in the moment. I don't, I go into training with a game plan. And if that game plan doesn't go well because of it being a dog, I need to be able to adapt on the fly, react quickly, and say, you know what? I need to just do a bunch of straight backs today. I just need to simplify and take a few steps back and not worry about stopping on the whistle and casting. I need to worry about that dog not anticipating the whistle and keep going. So I'm going to focus on that. Um, there were two things, Kevin, that I said I was going to touch on. One was anticipating the whistle. What was the other one? Help me. Help me. I don't know. He just shrugged his shoulders. He doesn't know. Um, so We can come back to it if you think of it. Whatever. Yeah. Either way, my thought is you need to be able to react on the fly and train the dog in the moment because that's what the dog's giving you. Don't go into a plan and say, like, every other, you know, send, I'm going to stop them and cast them. That's fine at first. But if they it starts creating this habit, then then we've got to make a different game plan. Absolutely. Um, speaking of T pad, oh, I remember, I do remember anticipating the cast. So I said uh, they start to anticipate the whistle. We're going to do all straight backs, anticipating the cast. So let's say I send them straight back, I stop them, and I want to give a leftover. Well, what if that dog turns and spins and looks at you, and then looks at the leftover pile? If it's a dog that's lacking confidence, I might give that to them. If it's a dog who's a butthole and thinks they know what's going to happen before it happens, then I'm going to give them a write-over. Make them think. Don't don't anticipate that. Don't anticipate the leftover. But if it's a dog who needs more confident boost and is, like, unsure of itself, yeah, I'll give them that leftover. But if they, again, if it's like one of those dogs that comes out fire-breathing dragon and is like, I know what I'm doing, you're just here to be a part of it, but I'm in charge, if you look at that leftover pile, I'm giving you a right over or a right back. You are not getting what you want. So that's the other thing about anticipation. All right, Kev, what else you got, bud? Uh, regarding T pattern, what are the distances you'd estimate uh, for mowing out a good T pattern? 100 yards? 200 yards, 25 yards. Good question. Um, so when you think about T pattern, this is a, this is sprints, right? We are sprinting. The dog is hauling bootay. And so I would prefer that they have short sprints versus long ones. This is not where we stretch dogs out and get them to run big distances. Um, I would say on average, my back pile is 70 yards, 75 yards. Um, at the pitcher's mound, my overs are probably 25 yards from the pitcher's mound. Um, because I want to get a bunch of reps in. If you make it a hundred yards or 110 yards, it's, uh, Shoot, if you do 75 yards versus 100 yards, that's 50 yards each sprint more that the dog has to do because you're, you know, 75 to 100 is 25, so they got to go there and back, right? So you've doubled it, so that's 50 extra yards that that dog has to sprint. So they're sprinting 200 yards, 100 there, 100 back, 100 there, 100 back. That's exhausting. So I'd, I'd even, I wouldn't mind pacing my T pattern out one of these days and saying it's actually 63 yards because I just look at it like I'd rather get more reps of going straight back a couple times than stopping and handling, than going straight back a couple times and stopping and handling and get a ton of reps at it without the dog becoming physically exhausted before they become mentally exhausted. Um, so yeah, I'm going to err on the side of it's about 70 yards to the back pile and 25 to 30 yards to my over piles. And I, I guess we need to report back and pace it out on what it really would be. 
Yeah, I think that'd be interesting to mess around with. Um, this is a good question. At what point do you start using the back signal to release a dog? I see people question about using back for blinds, but when do you start teaching back as go? And what's the best best method that you use to do that? Fantastic question. Um, and actually, Kevin, if you could just, maybe we could give a little shout out right now, but these are from our YouTube channel, right? These are questions that came in via our YouTube videos that uh, we've put out there. So, Kevin, instead of Instagram or Patreon tonight, Kevin is going through YouTube, and we're answering questions there. So, um, if you don't already subscribe, check out our YouTube channel. It's just like Lone Duck Outfitters, I think. Um, But, yeah, anywho, thank you all for doing that because I don't really respond to YouTube. My bad. No, I do. And we're doing this, so, yeah. So you're getting yeah. high-quality professional, you know. <laughs> Ish. But maybe on, on YouTube, on their questions, you could just comment and be like, hey, we just recorded episode 128, or whatever it is. Check it out. We answered your question. I do all, all right. sorts of things. So what was, what was the question again? Because I just zoned out thinking about becoming a better... Being a, being a better YouTuber? Uh... This is Jake. Jake says, at what point do you start using the back signal to release a dog? That's right. I got you. Thank you. All right. So the back command comes into play as we're doing the finishing touches of force fetch. So if you scroll back on our you know, podcast and listen to the two-part series on force fetch, you have ear pinch or toe hitch on the table, then, you know, table to the ground, and then on the ground we're doing walking fetch. Walking fetch is you got three bumpers on the ground, dog's on a leash, you walk them up to the bumper, you say fetch, they pick it up. Then you put it behind you, you walk to the next one, fetch, they pick it up, you put it behind you, da-da-da-da-da-da. Now we're going to do what's called ladder fetch. And ladder fetch is the same as walking fetch. It's three bumpers on the ground, out in front of you and the dog, and instead of walking them to the bumper, you take a step and say fetch, and the dog leaves your side and goes and gets that bumper. Then you take it, put it behind you, you take one or two steps, and they've got to go further to get the next one. And then to go to the third one, they got to go even further. So now we're starting to, instead of walk with the dog to the bumper, the dog leaves our side on fetch to go get the bumper. When they're doing that real reliably, not day two, I'm talking day five, six, real reliably, they're leaving your side and going from the first one to the second one to the third one. Now I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to start there, one, two, three, in a ladder, and then I'm going to leave them all in a pile, if you will, spread out maybe a foot or two apart, but they're all in one location. I'm going to walk. 15 feet away from the dog, or 15 feet away from those bumpers, and send them on fetch. And they're going to leave my side, go get one. Leave my side, go get one. Leave my side, go get one. And then I'm going to put them behind me, and I'm going to walk the dog away 20 feet, then 25 feet. And that, when they're doing that well, that is where I say fetch back, fetch back, fetch back. Back. Oh, fetch back. Fetch. Fetch. Fetch back. Fetch back. 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 And so because I've ingrained this turn pressure off, leave my side, go get something, bring it back to me through walking fetch, through ladder fetch, and then this like little bit of a mini pile, they understand that that little stimulation on the back command, or excuse me, on the fetch command, and now I'm integrating fetch back, fetch back, fetch back. Back becomes fetch if you if you want to like simplify it and make it that way. Um, but that's where I started. 
And then once they do that, and it might take two or three days where they like hear you say back and they're like, I don't know what that means. Okay, fetch. Oh, I know what that means. I go and get it. And as they're about to grab it back, that makes sense. So it's a, it's, it's a gradual process, but it doesn't take me two weeks to do. It's like three, four days of fetch back, fetch back, back, fetch back type of thing. And then they leave my side on back to turn the pressure off to go and get that bumper. Makes sense. Uh, I think we got one last one here that I, I like. My girl, Ember. Uh, do you have any input on collar conditioning for chessies? I've heard a lot of mixed information on it and said that they're real moody compared to a lab or a golden and that they can get discouraged when using an e-collar. What do you think of collar conditioning a chessie? That's a good question. Um, all right, there's an old adage. And the old adage is you ask a golden, you tell a Labrador, and you beat a Chessie with a 2 by 4 to get them to do what you want, right? You ask a golden to do what you want, you tell a Labrador what you want, and you beat a Chessie with a 2 by 4 And so a lot of people back in the day would think that chessies were hard-headed and you had to grind on them to get them to do what you want. And I think it is the most complete opposite in general that could ever be imagined. And I think we as trainers have evolved to understand dogs a little bit more. That, yeah, you can grind on them and get them to do what you want, but they're going to be pouty and they're not going to be happy to do it. Um, I think you have to look at it like a little bit give and take. And so some of that adage is correct. I'm going to, not all of them, This I'm speaking in general terms. But the goldens tend to be a little bit softer, and so I'm going to be a little bit gentler with my approach, a little bit happier voice. I'm going to build their confidence. I'm going to work with them, and they're going to work with me. A Labrador, in general, a good one, I can tell them what to do. Bingo, bango, we're happy, they love it, da-da-da-da. Like Quinn, I can tell her what to do. I don't have to get onto her butt. I don't have to coddle her. She's just boop, 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 all business. Ember, my, not my personal chest beat, but my client that I've had forever and just, you know, my sweetheart, I love her to death. You have to, if you beat her with a two-by-four, you will never, never get her to do what you want because she resents it, because she's a thinker, because she is sensitive, and she's not a wuss. She can take pressure, but she just resents it. And so that resentment comes hard-headedness. That's where people probably would think, like, oh, they're hard-headed. you got to beat them into it. No, you got to work with them. You got to figure out what am I willing to give so that I can take? What am I willing to work with here to get her to perform at a high level? Am I willing to let her, you know, not take a perfect initial line like I would ask of Quinn in Memphis? Sure, because she works with me throughout the rest. If I nitpick her, if I critique her too much, she's like, screw this. This ain't fun anymore. I want to do it a little bit my way. If I let her think she's doing it her way, but really it's my way, she performs at a higher level. If if I get in a mode where I'm not thinking when I handle her and I treat her like any other dog, I can see her attitude go down because it takes the fun out. And so I've got to, I'm not going to coddle her, but I'm going to work with her. And I think Chessie's in general, also don't enjoy the drill aspect of it. They need the fun to make the work worth it. And so if you think about a Chessie in that respect, you'll be further along. In regards to her question about collar conditioning, I do not collar condition them any different. I I do it just like I said on the Kevin Chef episode, you know, one or two back. I collar condition them the exact same way 
to me, that's your basics. That's that's how you teach them how to understand and learn. Um, each one, each dog, whether it's a lab, chassis, golden, doodle, whatever you want to call it, it's all varying levels of stimulation. But you're working with that dog to figure out what that level is to get the desired response of what you're looking for. And you work them through it to teach them how to learn, to teach them how to turn the pressure off, but you teach them, the, to me, the same way. I just think as you get into more advanced things like T pattern and, and blind running and all that, it becomes more of a teamwork than coach and player or boss and, and employee. It becomes teamwork, and I've got to figure out how to keep that dog ticking at a high level and a fun level so that they give me their full effort versus grind them down and make them do it my way. I don't think they like doing it like that in general. I'd also just obvious but not obvious add that that old adage is not cool, and we do not condone that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, no, like, I, I mean, I'm just saying, I, I, agreed. I'm saying. So before we wrap up here, uh, we created a video. I don't know if you saw it or not, but we created a video ways back with Andy sitting on your, on the couch. Adorable video with Andy. She's amazing. Uh, to try and help people who are interested in collar conditioning their dog, how to do it properly, how to do it the right way in a positive way, so that your dog is learning and can just be collar conditioned the right way. And someone commented saying collar conditioning is unnecessary and signed their name within the comment on YouTube and also added that they're a doctor. So that's good. Well, doctor, doctor, give me the news. You can find some other YouTube. Listen, I'm not telling you how to do surgery. Don't tell me how to train a dog. (laughs) Right. If I got an ear infection, I'm coming to you. You need your dog trained. You come to me. Um, with that being said, we have good friends like our buddy Barton Ramsey from Southern Oak, you know, training British labs, and he's a big proponent of non-e collar. I can, Absolutely. I can wholeheartedly respect that Barton does it differently than I do, and I wholeheartedly believe that he can work with a dog and get it to a high level. I just, this is how I do it. If you don't like it, you can go pound salt and watch a different video. (laughs) But I also think that in our world today, just because we have different viewpoints, A, doesn't mean we can't understand each other, and B, doesn't mean I need to tell you that I don't agree with you. Keep your damn mouth shut. (laughs) Right? Like, my mama told me to treat, you know, if, if, if you ain't got something nice to say, don't say it at all. So... There's that doctor. Um, he's probably a psychologist. He's probably doesn't even not a real doctor. <laughs> a dentist. Out no, I feel like a dentist needs to know things. I don't either. But but I think you know there's so many methods to skin this cat of how to train your dog that if you don't want to use an e collar, that's totally fine. And I believe that you can get your dog to do really great things without an e collar. I also do it with a collar and know how to do it properly and carefully and where I can get a dog to understand things at a quicker rate and a more comfortable rate, even though opponents of the e-collar will say that it's not comfortable. I will show you a dog like Quinn who comes out of that box and throws her head forward and says, put the collar on me, we're going to work. And then I'll show you other dogs who don't. But you have it, you train the dog in front of you. You train the method that makes you feel good. And then you keep your comments to yourself. Like I said, if, if you don't give us a five-star review, then go find somewhere else. Five-star or bust, son. Five-star or bust. <laughs> I mostly brought it up because I thought it was funny that the person signed their name in their YouTube comment, but then also made sure to sign their name using, like, I'm a doctor. Yeah, yeah. I got I got um, little patience. But I also appreciate them tuning in and watching. I hope they subscribed so that YouTube look, looks at us in a fond <laughs> way. And I appreciate their opinion. Um, but opinion, 
Jokes on you, Doc. Engagement is still engagement. <laughs> yeah. Opinions are like buttholes. Everybody's got one and they all stink. So, hey, with that being said, I love you all for tuning in. Even you, Doc. I love you. Please click subscribe on YouTube. Please click subscribe on our podcast. Please uh, give us a five-star review unless you're a doctor. And then you can go listen somewhere else. And, uh, no, I love you guys all. This was a fun episode. Thank you, Kevin, for putting it together, for doing something a little bit different with our YouTube list, or, you know, viewers. And, uh, guys, until the next episode, thanks for tuning in. Check us out on Patreon. Join our happy hour. We had a blast tonight. Tons of great conversation tonight that, you know, you only get if you're a Patreon guy or gal. So patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. We'll see you next week. Peace out. Hey, do me a solid. If you enjoy the show, if you enjoy our Instagram, if we've helped you at all, join patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. If you do it before September of 2023, you're going to enter to win a hunt with me and Kevin and a bunch of other Patreon members down in Missouri. We're going to smack some ducks, have some fun, do a seminar with our dogs and have a great time. But jump into patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. Links in the description and join the community that helps me help you help your dog. Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Gundog It Yourself podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out Gundog It Yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes. Thank you.